Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 156, it's the week number four review. What a fun week it was. Great weekend of football with many of the games coming down to the wire. Made made tons of fun just to watch. I know from that... uh, 2.30, 2.30, at least central time I'm speaking, 2.30 to like 3.15 window as all the early games are ending, particularly on these weeks when there's no bye weeks or so many games going on at once. It's just a blast to watch the Red Zone channel on Sunday. And uh, so many of the games are competitive this week. And so were some of my fantasy matchups. I uh, hope they were for you as well. I know last night, uh, Monday night, I ended up eking out uh, three out of four very close games, but still just finished six and four in my leagues this week. So it's not a great week. But at least Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, uh, Austin Eckler, they spared me from a much worse fate, uh, last night at least. As always, on Tuesday mornings, I remind myself that win or lose, it's a joy to watch football on the weekend and cheer on all of my dynasty teams. So hope you're able to do the same. Well, after following all the weeks, uh, all the games this week, I'm going to want to give a few of my thoughts on the players and situations and their impact on our dynasty team. So we'll have our top 10 observations, talk a bit about the waiver wire, and then um, talk about some trades that took place in my leagues uh, this last week. So top 10 observations. Let's start with number one. Thurs- from Thursday night, uh, Urban Meyer is close to figuring it out. Uh, whether it was only because Carlos Hyde's sudden pregame injury or not, Meyer uh, finally gave James Robinson the share of touches that he needs to help the Jaguars compete and help fantasy managers score points. Uh, Robinson was on the field for all but three plays, and his two touchdowns were almost enough to win the game. If Myers has any common sense, uh, he'll keep Robinson on the field to this degree every single week. And additionally, uh, whether it's it's just because DJ Chark broke his ankle or whether it was just Myers' play calling, LaVisca Chenault had his best game of the season too. Uh, He's the young weapon in the passing game that they need. They need Uh, need to focus on him in the passing game. And he uh, had a great game on Thursday night and almost won the game because of it. I'm hopeful that Meyer will take a long week of practice now that he had a Thursday game. He's got a long week of practice as long as he's not being an idiot in the bar like the video that came out of him. He needs to take this week to focus and think about how he needs to get Robinson and Chenault as the featured players in this offense. Uh, So far, he's not made the best coaching decisions or life decisions overall, but uh, maybe Thursday night's near miss will wake him up to you know, to the fact that he needs to do this to give his chance, uh, team a chance to win. Hopeful that Myers has finally figured it out, but who knows? He's so uh, frustrating. That's number one observation. Number two uh, from Sunday is that the Giants' alphas are back. Uh, the Giants roared back uh, to a comeback win in overtime uh, on the backs of their alpha running back and their alpha receiver, Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay. Uh, Barkley finally had his long-awaited breakout game, scoring 27 points, Fantasy points, man, playing uh, all but seven snaps for the Giants. Uh, he looked like his old self, too. Uh, tremendous burst and agility, great touchdown uh, receiving. Uh, he seems to fully trust his knee because he made several really tough cuts and jukes and made people miss throughout the game. While he only rushed the ball 13 times, 
in four and a half quarters because the game went to overtime. He was very actively involved in the passing game, had a 54-yard touchdown, like I said, on his five catches. And then there's Kenny Galladay, uh, his first 100-yard receiving game for the Giants and his first since week seven of last season. Uh, He appears to be recovered fully uh, and active after getting limited snaps the previous weeks. I really think if Galladay and Barkley are at full strength, they are able to lift the entire offense significantly and make Daniel Jones a startable quarterback again. Uh, Even after, you know, even this week playing a great defense like the Saints, he looked great. Uh, Dynasty managers who've waited patiently for Barkley and Galladay's return uh, were, were rewarded this week, and I think they will be the rest of the season as well. Fun to have those two guys back. Then we got the th- third observation, the crazy thing happening in Atlanta. Uh, Cordell- Cordero Patterson is a thing, and sadly, Mike Davis is not. Uh, Mike Davis continues to outsnap uh, Peterson, but he's far less productive. Peterson was a surprise of the week, scoring three t- Patterson rather was the uh, a surprise of the week, scoring three touchdowns on Sunday and just 23 snaps. Patterson's a unique role in the offense, and he's the primary target when he's on the field. Uh, Patterson touched the ball on 11 of his 23 snaps, so nearly 50% of his snaps he touched the ball. While Davis touched the ball 15 times in 51 snaps, that's about 30% of the touches when he's in the game. Uh, Touches are definitely more critical than snaps between these two. Patterson's had 346 yards on the season, while Davis has a total of 231, uh, even though he's touched the ball 20 more times this season. Uh, Davis had a great run after catch to score a touchdown this week in week four, so you know can't they can't deny him that. But Patterson's the one that they really trust on this team. Uh, Patterson and trust those two words, Patterson and trust, they've never been completely uh, compatible words in fantasy football, uh, but I think that they are now. I know he was in my starting lineup the last two weeks in one league, where I picked him up off the waiver wire, and I think he's going to continue to start for that team, especially over the next player that I'm going to mention. Which is my fourth observation. It's time to get give up on Miles Sanders, sadly. Uh, this Sunday was the last week that I will have Sanders in my starting lineup until something changes. And I'm starting to doubt that anything really will. After getting two carries last week, I thought the criticism that Coach Sirianni received would cause him to give Sanders the ball more this week. So I kept him in my lineups. Uh, but he received only seven carries this week after just two last week. Uh, I just I can't trust Sanders anymore because Sirianni clearly doesn't. Uh, Kenny Galladay stole another touchdown from Sanders this Sunday and is way more involved in the passing game than Sanders. Uh, I did not see this coming, and I'll admit to being wrong on Sanders. He was one of my favorite players in his draft class. I drafted him, and I traded for him over the last few years, and I have him on five of my ten rosters. It pains me to admit that I'm wrong, uh, but my teams are suffering for it, and there's certainly uh, trouble for me in the leagues where I have Sanders. Uh, from now on, I'm going to start players like this ahead of him in these leagues. Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, Daryl Henderson, uh, Melvin Gordon even, and the aforementioned Cordero Patterson. These guys are all going to start ahead of Sanders. I love his talent, but he's just not getting the opportunities uh, like he should. Next observation, I think it's number five, is uh, Taylor Heineke can win the job. I said don't look now, but Heineke has scored more than 20 fantasy points in each week, uh, each of his three starts this year. When Ryan Fitzpatrick got injured in week one, it appeared that the fantasy value of each offensive player uh, for the football team would take a hit. But Heineke has kept the team afloat, and he's led his team to a comeback win on Sunday with three touchdown passes. He adds a sneaky value, too, running the ball with 24 yards per game. Logan Thomas was a top 10 tight end headed into this week. Then he got injured. And Terry McLaurin uh, 
will be a top 15 uh, wide receiver heading into week and heading into this next week after his 27 point fantasy day on Sunday. In the Washington backfield, while it does frustrate manage owner, uh, dynasty managers because uh, JD McKissick gets all the passing work ahead of Antonio Gibson, but both have had very productive weeks. This Sunday it was McKissick that uh, won the game after catching an incredible pass from Heineke and beating the rest of the Falcon defense to the pylon. If Heineke uh, continues to move this offense like this, he could be, you know, he could retain his job even if Fitzpatrick is healthy. I think one of the best feelings that Dynasty uh, Superflex leagues is when you stumble upon a backup quarterback who you add on waivers and then he actually becomes the team starter. Like that's one of the greatest feelings. It's like you feel like you get a free quarterback. Well, Heineke managers are going to experience that uh, feeling. I think he's going to be the starter maybe even for the long term, in Washington as he continues to improve. Next observation to among my Cowboys is that Dallas has is too good at too many things. <laughs> the Cowboys' offense is on fire, but they're spreading the ball around uh, more than Dynasty managers would like. Uh, Dak Prescott threw for four touchdowns to four different players, including both of his tight ends. Amari Cooper's touchdown catch saved his fantasy day, while CeeDee Lamb had only two catches for 13 yards. Uh, the Cowboys had 245 yards rushing on Sunday because their stout offensive line really took over the game, and Zeke, uh, like we like to say, Zeke got fed. A few things are, are becoming a little more clear uh, for Dallas, such as Dalton Schultz getting 25% more snaps than Blake Jarwin. Uh, Lamb and Klu- Cooper play almost every down, but they've had two good weeks each and two bad weeks each uh, from a dynasty per, you know, fantasy perspective. Uh, every week, the Cowboys' offense takes on a new form, which is incredible for Cowboy fans like myself, but it's rough for Dynasty managers. Uh, you can't bench any of the Cowboys' weapons, but I think we're going to be disappointed um, with at least one of them every single week. Uh, I'm convinced that Kellen Moore, Dallas's offensive coordinator, is going to be a head coach for an NFL team next year, and I sure hope that it's Dallas <laughs> from a Cowboys fan. Next observation is two target hogs are no longer. Uh, two of my favorite players for years have provided a steady floor based on their target count. And I just think they're not reliable this season, at least so far. And that's DeAndre Hopkins is one of them. He's not getting the volume that he's used to receiving. Uh, Hopkins is receiving six targets per game this season, whereas he received 10 targets per game last season. Uh, he's not, not the only weapon on the team anymore. A.J. Green is way more involved in the offense than I ever would have thought that he would be at his age. And he's outplayed Hopkins the last two weeks. And then there's Max Williams, surprisingly a very active part of the offense. More on him later. And Chase Edmonds is involved in the passing game more than I would have thought. I just can't bring myself to bench Hopkins, but now I'm bracing myself to expect some dud weeks, which rarely has happened for him in the past. Pretty sad for Hopkins. The other one I'm mentioning is Robert Woods. Uh, he's never provided you know, the upside that Hopkins has, but he's been as steady as it gets, providing fantasy floor each week. Uh, that's not the case this season with Matthew Stafford. Uh, He's also receiving six targets per game, just like Hopkins, uh, when he had more than eight targets per game last year. He's had 14 fewer yards per game than he had last year, too. Um, I benched him in one league this week, and I believe that I'm going to bench him in the three other leagues that I have him in uh, this next week. Uh, Over the last few years, I've loved having Woods as kind of my wide receiver three or wide receiver four, just counting on a safe 12 to 15 points per week. But it's not happening this year, and the involvement of Van Jefferson has me very concerned for Woods' future with the Rams, too. Jefferson's 4.5 targets per game are eating into Woods' opportunities, and he's outscored Woods in fantasy points this season. Van Jefferson has. 
sad for me. Two of my favorite players, and yeah, that I have on many teams, Hopkins and Woods, uh, most rostered players. They're really hurting my teams right now instead of helping them. Next observation is that uh, two tight ends are, are about to break out this season. In the most volatile position in fantasy football, where we need a few more rising stars that can provide consistency at the position, and I believe two guys actually are starting to fit that bill, even though their rise to fantasy relevance has looked very uh, different. Dawson Knox is one, uh, having been the I mean, he's kind of having the prototypical third-year breakout, as often happens with tight ends. Uh, he was a top six tight end heading into the week, and after his two touchdown day, he's likely going to be a top three tight end heading into this next week. What's wild about Knox's day on Sunday is that he could have had four or five touchdowns. Three other times, he was the first read on red zone passes, but did not come down with the catch, or in one case caught one, but just didn't get in the end zone. Uh, the Bills seem to be using him in the red zone, uh, where he and Zach Moss are just their primary weapons this year so far. Knox, a third-round draft pick who never caught a touchdown pass in college, is proving that he's able to do so now. And the other tight end that's rising is Max Williams. Uh, he had a touchdown. Uh, he was a touchdown maker in college, which is why he was drafted in the second round by the Baltimore uh, Ravens uh, six years ago. But he just never amounted to much. Uh, he barely managed to stay in the league. But then now his sudden emergence with Arizona's offense has come as a surprise to everyone, which is why he was on the waiver wire in Dynasty Leagues a few weeks ago. Thankfully, I was quick to add him to many of my leagues, including uh, one tight end premium league. Uh, he scored again on Sunday which alone makes him a top 12 tight end for the week. When you score a touchdown, that's usually what's happened with, with tight ends. But what's more important, though, is that he, the work he's getting. Over the last three weeks, he's averaged five targets per game, and he's playing two-thirds of the snaps on a team that runs among the most plays in the league per game. Um, I never, um, uh, I'm never one to shy away from older tight end prospects. At 27 years old, Williams, I think, could be this year's Logan Thomas. Uh, late, late breakout uh, that gets lots of targets on his team. A couple more observations here. I think three more before we get into the waiver wire and my trades for the week. Uh, next observation, I'll say two stifling defenses. Um, it always takes a few weeks to learn uh, which defenses become significant factor when setting dynasty lineups, but I think it's become clear that two defenses need to be considered when starting players against them. Uh, Cleveland humbled the Vikings, who are one of the most uh, fantasy potent offenses in the league, the first three weeks of the season. Uh, Kirk Cousins was a top 12 quarterback in each of his first weeks of the season, and Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen benefited from his excellent play. But this week, they could hardly move the ball at all against the Browns. Uh, the Vikings drove down the score in the, first, the game's first possession, uh, but were shut out after that. Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney wreaked havoc on Cousins, and the Browns' secondary blanketed the Vikings' receivers. Uh, the week prior, the, the they held the Bears to 47 yards of total offense and sacked Justin Fields nine times. I think it's time for dynasty managers to consider benching marginal players, only marginal players, when they're playing the Browns. Uh, the same true could be said of the Bills, the other defense that's making a big impact, who pitched a shutout on Sunday, intercepting Davis Mills four times. Uh, granted, the Texans are one of the worst offenses in the league. We know that. Uh, they crushed uh, Taylor Heineke and the football team the week before that also. Um, Tredavious um, White, I think that he's really capable of dampening the fantasy value of all wide receiver ones that he faces from a week-to-week basis. He did it with Terry McLaurin last week, um, and he did it with Brandon Cooks this week. And so I think dynasty managers can fade 
um, bubble players, you know, just the guys that are bubble players when you're facing the Bills this season. Um, you can especially, you, you know, you can't bench a wide receiver one when facing the Bills, but you need to know that you're going to expect far less productivity from them. The Bills and the Browns' uh, defenses are really becoming a factor, and we need to consider them when we're making our lineup, uh, final, you know, lineups for the season, or for the week, rather. <laughs> Two more here. Uh, next one, or no, I think this is the last one, actually. This is number 10, Latavius Murray. I think he's the RB1 in Baltimore. Uh, to the surprise of everyone, uh, Taysom Williams was a healthy scratch on Sunday, and Le'Veon Bell saw his first work with the Ravens this season, but it was Murray that far and away led the team in carries and snaps. Uh, he scored another touchdown on Sunday, too. Uh, Murray just fits the offense and the veteran presence. He's the veteran presence that I think that they need to protect Lamar Jackson and to move the chains. Uh, he's not going to do anything spectacular, but he can do what the Ravens need. And as a result, I think he'll be a startable running back uh, once these bye weeks start to, to kind of come up here in the next few weeks. He's less viable in PPR leagues, but in half, in half PPR and non-PPR leagues, Murray can definitely help uh, dynasty teams in a pinch. Uh, he's going to be one of the most likely players to score a touchdown every week, which is, you know, kind of far, the, uh, you know, more than makes up for his lack of involvement in the passing game. I consider his value this season very comparable to how I valued Gus Edwards after J.K. Dobbins got injured. Uh, he's a journeyman for sure on his fourth NFL team, but he can get the job done, and I really think that he will. So there's my 10 observations for the week. Let's talk a little waiver wire. Um, just as a reminder, I play in 27 to 30-man roster leagues, so the players that I list here are for deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there are certainly better players than this, than this to pick up off the waiver wire, but if you're in a deep dynasty league, uh, these are the players that I would put bids on this week, and I'll list them in order. First is Alex Collins. Uh, Collins played only three fewer snaps than Chris Carson on Sunday, and he just looked like the better back on the field, at least for this week. He's definitely passed Travis Homer and the always injured Rashad Penny to become the number two back in Seattle. I picked up Collins in several leagues late in the offseason when I heard that Penny struggled, was struggling really to recover from his injury. Um, I kept him in a few of those leagues, and unfortunately I dropped him in a few of those leagues on roster cut day. Um, you know, he's, he's been a fantasy relevant in spurts before, and so I think that he could do so again. I think that he will become an every week starter if Carson gets injured. Um, but other than that, Car Collins is the easy, easily the first player that I'd try to make bids on uh, this week. Next is uh, Dan Arnold. Uh, Arnold played only 18 snaps on Thursday night, but that was after a short week on a Thursday game uh, after getting traded to Jacksonville early in the week. Uh, but he was targeted and was the first read on two plays, catching both passes. I think Jacksonville's uh, injuries have really opened the door for Arnold, and the fact that they traded him obviously means that they're going to, they, they like him and they're going to get him involved in the offense. I think he'd get far more targets than the other tight ends that I list uh, here, the next two that I'm going to list here. Uh, so I, he'd be the first tight end that I'd be aiming to pick up this week if I was streaming the position or if I just had a droppable player uh, on my roster. I'd, I'd like to add Dan Arnold. Next player is a rookie, Sills Jones. Uh, Sills Jones played 100% of the snaps. Uh, for the Washington football team after Logan Thomas left the game and was pulled and after he you know, pulled a hamstring. Uh, what we loved with Thomas, uh, playing 100% of the snaps, we're going to love with Seals Jones too. Uh, he's an athlete, much like Thomas. Uh, Thomas, who we know, of course, the converted uh, quarterback. Um, I'm sure that he, you know, I'm sure that Seals Jones and his athleticism will help him, you know, contribute in the passing game. Um, 
after a whole week of practice, you know, starting with the team, I think that he's going to be really involved. This is only a small, you know, only something that you do for a few weeks because once Thomas gets back from his injury, Thomas will have the job. But as long as he's out, Ricky Sills-Jones would be someone I'd be interested in adding if I had injuries to my tight end or if I have Logan Thomas on my roster, which I do in five of my 10 leagues. So Sills-Jones is someone that I'd be interested in. And last uh, last and least, it would be Mo Alley-Cox. I think for the first time this season, uh, Alley-Cox got more snaps and targets than Jack Doyle. So it's only the first time this season, but that's largely because Doyle was battling an injury this week. Um, even though that's the case, uh, he made the most of his opportunities. He scored uh, two red zone touchdowns. And uh, Mo Alley-Cox and Doyle, I think that they're going to continue to be pretty unreliable this season as they split time. Uh, at least, though, they do have a coach and a quarterback that target tight ends in the end zone. And uh, one touchdown catch by a tight end often makes someone a top 12 tight end for the week. I think I'd only aim to pick him up in very, very deep leagues. I might consider Mo Alley-Cox. Now let's talk some trades to close out the podcast. Um, like I say, every week trades are really hard to grade in a vacuum if you just see something on paper or post it on Twitter. They're hard to grade in a vacuum since scoring systems are different for each league and each team has a diverse roster construction, which is why I write a podcast here about trades that uh, I can give context for what each team was thinking, at least what I think the managers were thinking, because these are actual trades from my leagues where I go, go and back and look at the rosters and see why the owners did what they did. And so there were only two trades this week in my leagues. Hopefully these things are going to pick up as teams start to realize that they are buyers or sellers. But we at least had two this week. Here's the first one. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was traded for Nico Collins in a 2022 first and second round pick. So Nico Collins, a first and a second round pick for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This trade... Is a pretty typical trade between top, you know, top contending team and a rebuilding team. The team that acquired the picks uh, went into full rebuild mode last year and appeared to be ready to bounce back this year until, sadly for them, Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins went down with injuries. I think that the, this manager just decided it's time to rebuild again due to those injuries and his one and two start to the season. And then the team that acquired Edwards Alaire has already made a couple trades to compete this season added a top, you know, running back to depth, to be uh, depth for him behind Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon. Maybe even could start all three in the, in the if he starts one of them in the flex position. Well, he did so just in time now because now the Mixon's going to miss a few games with his ankle injury. Um, y'all know if you follow me that I've never liked CEH uh, that much because I don't believe that the Chiefs offense under Patrick Mahomes is going to feature a running back like we would like. Um, he did score this week, though, in a little pop pass. Um, but at the same time, he was taken out in favor of Daryl Williams on goal line carries. So I like what each team did here, considered a pretty even trade for what they were trying to do. Not a huge fan of uh, CEH, um, and, but I understand why you know, this is going to be helpful for the team that's trying to compete. Also love that the that other owner was able to sell him for a first and second round pick and pick up Nico Collins in case he turns anything. Finally, the last uh, pick here. Was, our trade here was Tyler Higby was traded for a 2022 second round pick. Uh, the manager who sold Higby is in uh, full rebuild mode. In fact, he announced it to the league this week on GroupMe. He basically said, come shopping. <laughs> I'm trying to rebuild. And I guess one manager took him up on it. And that team picked up Higby in the trade. Um, only thing, though, with the team that picked him up, he had a better performing tight end on his team in Dalton Schultz already. Um, maybe he just worried that, you know, the time splitting between Blake Jarwin 
and Schultz was a big deal. Um, he at least he knows with Higby that he's an every down you know tight end in LA and has better dynasty value right now than Dalton Schultz uh, for the time being. But that said, I wouldn't be surprised to see their dynasty value flip by midseason. Uh, Dalton Schultz is playing really well. Like I already mentioned, he's getting 25% more snaps than uh, Blake Jarwin has clearly become the lead uh, tight end for a very pass-happy offense. Um, Second-round picks, you know, that were traded here, they're usually a toss-up in one-quarterback leagues, which this one is a one-quarterback league. So I think, considering that, I think I would rather have the second-round pick than Higby. Pretty pretty close, but I think I'd rather have the second-round pick. In fact, the manager who offered me the same trade uh, throughout the offseason, offering me Higby for a second-round pick, um, I just wasn't willing to give away that second-round pick for Higby. Remains to be seen. Tight ends, like I already said, they're a volatile position. Uh, I just don't think that Higby's going to be the one that rises to the top. But I could be wrong. Well, that's it for this week, uh, my freaky friends. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation at any time by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Much better on email than I am on Twitter. Uh, that's the best way to contact me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.